So welcome everybody to the first 2024 episode of uh, Kote and me doing interviews on Tanzu Talk. And I'm really excited today we have Serdar Badem, who is a uh, director of product management at Tanzu by Broadcom. So one of our very own colleagues. And um, I'm really excited because I had, a, I, I had the opportunity to meet Serdar uh, last week and he made a comment, just sort of a casual comment about all of uh, how excited he was. He has he has been at, we'll learn more about him from him directly, but I'll just tell you he was at VMware before and then he left and he spent some time at Uber and then he came back uh, to VMware just in time for us to be incorporated into Broadcom. But he came back and he, he made a comment that he was very excited and had a lot of ideas uh, to bring into um, the Tanzu division uh, now at Broadcom. And that it just sort of sparked my interest and I wanted to learn more, so I figured, uh, why not deep dive into that comment with all of you uh, here today? So just to get us started, I guess, um, Serdar, would you, would you uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, what you're doing currently at, at, um, at Broadcom? A little bit more about yourself. Awesome. Thank you, Cora and Kote. I am excited to be a part of this, <laughs> uh, this podcast. I, um, so I'm uh, leading product management for uh, Spring and Content and developer solutions here at uh, Tanzu division by Broadcom. And uh, really excited to be back at uh, VMware and we have uh, ambitious goals. And, you know, our focus is as much as it, it, it's ever been uh, around making developers uh, more productive and providing the tools and uh, services that they, uh, to, to remove friction from their daily lives. Amazing. So, would you um, do you feel like that's been a thread throughout your your career, sort of that focus on developer productivity? Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's always well. Originally, I started uh, as a developer myself <laughs> at Hill Packard uh, at the OpenView division. Some of us <laughs> may uh, still remember, and I start. You know, we we were building tools for the enterprises, especially IT, uh, to manage uh, their uh, infrastructure at that time and then slowly evolved uh, from IT into more more uh, around tools for uh, developers to remove the tedious uh, uh, work and uh, eliminate friction in in their daily workflows yeah we've come a long a long way so you've so you've seen everything you've seen the operation side you're deep in the operation side and the development side. Um, yeah, I mean, I think most more recently um, at Uber, I was the product management lead for the their developer platform. Um, uh, you know, Uber has a large platform engineering team, and uh, making uh, the uh, all the developers. Uh, Uber is a technology company at the end of the day, and uh, those keeping those thousands of uh, developers more productive and providing them uh, with all the tools and frameworks. Uh, to uh, uh, to to make them more efficient was 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 our primary goal, and that maybe more recent context in that. How, so how do you how do you think about that challenge or measure that that uh, goal of developer productivity? What does that mean to you? Yeah, I know it's a um, it's a complicated subject, isn't it? Like um, you know, uh, how do we? How would you create an environment where developers feel happy and uh, you know they want to just show up and do the uh, 
best work of their uh, career. So that's that was the uh, that was our goal basically. And of course, we want to measure measure it. It's not necessarily uh, for uh, from performance of individual engineers' perspective, but you know, if you think about having a, a team of uh, hundreds of engineers building tools and frameworks that. Uh, these developers use, you want to understand what are all the pain points, what are the frictions and how, and, and you can argue that the, if, if we can provide the best tools, then that would uh, turn into productivity gains for the entire organization, for all the developers and create that, uh, that, that atmosphere. It expresses a faith in humanity that if people are happy, they're going to do their best work. So it's not you know, like, you know, you could have said, well, you know, make developers happiest because that way they'll be more, most productive and then they'll yield more to the business, <laughs> you know, which is like the more the financial sort of drive for a business, I guess. But I think it's really beautiful that you're like this. There's this real sincere, uh, you know, uh, faith in humanity that that happy people will will do more and do better because that that happiness will drive them. And so the idea is to make people happy. I think I think it's really a beautiful principle to live by. Getting to increasing the beauty in the world, as, as it were, like, like I, I was, you know, g given given what, um, you know, you, you product manage now at, at a vendor, if you will, and then having worked at, a, a, let's just say, a, a customer, a user, right? Like a, a company who's, mm -hmm. who's yeah. a business other than selling software or cloud services or whatever, and then product managing before that, like, one so so you've talked with people uh, at all sorts of organizations and worked in some like Uber right uh, and I've been trying to figure out like let let me let me let me paint a scenario I think is on the other end of the spectrum of developer productivity not in a bad way but like you know I was thinking the, the like whatever app I use to refill my prescription like it doesn't really get updated that much and like it's fine <laughs> right like and and in fact it's i kind of don't want it to be up to, or i don't know it, that's i shouldn't say it that way but like versus in contrast i would imagine uh i mean you you would know better than i do but like and maybe this answers my question about the pharmacy thing but even if people using uber don't see it in in the ui there are probably a lot of software changes going on all the time right and so yeah. I, I wonder like I'm I'm always trying to calibrate on like so a company like Uber really cares about developer productivity because they in the same way that I assume Mercedes doesn't want their factories to rust. It's just like they don't even question why you would care about it, right? Um Absolutely. Versus, versus like other companies like how do they figure out like how productive do we need to be? Like and and how do we figure that out so that when people like us come in and we're like, oh, developer productivity, you should be deploying 50 times a day, if not thousands, like booking.com or whatever. Like, I feel like maybe the, the pharmacy people are kind of like, eh, <laughs> or, or like, not that they're not convinced, but that there's like a different discussion go going on around that kind of stuff. At a company like uh, Uber, imagine there are thousands of microservices, over 5,000 microservices. And these are running in, uh, and there's a lot of dependencies between them and small teams own and uh, are they responsible for 
running these microservices. They, they create them and uh, they also run it. Uh, they're on call to support if, if, if an incident happens. And, you know, the, since these platforms are running at a huge scale, um, there are major implications of having something down or not working the way you, you expect it. There are big uh, implications for the business, uh, both financial and uh, reputation-wise. So, uh, you know, it, and, and that's why uh, having a, a, a platform to be able to run everything efficiently and, and, and in a productive way uh, and, and pro- producing quality software is, is important. And remember the message is everybody, every company is uh, actually becoming a, a software company these days uh, when you see the technology uh, everywhere. So even in cars or, or, or whatever. Uh, so uh, and there was no doubt about uh, why developer productivity was uh, top of mind for, for the executives at, at, at any uh, any any company, uh, for the, sure. The way I how, how I see it, there were some key metrics that we would track and uh, report up to uh, up to the CEO every month uh, around this. Yeah, and like I I think you know you know you're 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 kind of as as you say driving towards uh, like a like kind of an interesting conclusion that, the conclusion like next sort of juncture in in the road there. We get really get trapped in this metaphor, uh, which is like, if you are relying on software to run your business, chances are you care about developer productivity versus like, you know, to be absurd about it, right? Like no one's really concerned about like uh, pencil productivity, just like the, the potential of pencils has peaked. <laughs> like after the mechanical pencil, we don't need to have like someone like yourself working on the uh, pencil platforms inside of a company. It's all settled. Whereas like the, the nature of using software as a tool to, to, to run a business is far from pencilized, uh, as it were. So like you're still constantly trying to figure out how to do it better. Um, and I think, and, I, and you, you know, the, the, the other thing that you, like you were kind of alluding to as far as like availability and things like that is, and I was kind of joking about it, is like maybe even though the way that I, you know, renew a prescription doesn't really seem to change ever. There's probably a lot of stuff that I don't see that's changing that needs developers and developer-minded people to worry about it all the time. Like I often think like, example, in the pharmacy business, there's always some new regulation that you have to comply with. And and the government hasn't read that whole thing about like developers are bad at estimating deadlines. They're like, they don't care. You got (laughs) to hit this date. (laughs) Anyhow, um, so, so maybe as you're saying, that is kind of like, a motivation for everyone caring a lot about developer productivity, which which I think makes sense. I was gonna know as Kote as you were talking, like I mean, this differentiation between like some organizations may care more than others, and I I can see like in the human experience, like there's certainly like some products that we come across where we can tell that that product is not important to a company, like the user experience for a certain product is not important to a company, mm. and. Now that software has gotten so good, the, the end user experience with software has gotten so good, you know, in the same way that we say like companies care about developer productivity and they care about developer happiness, companies also care about user happiness, right? For, for good solid business reasons. And there is, and there are some software products that are produced by companies where it, like, it's not that important if a user is happy or not, because you like, when you fill your prescription, like 
who cares? Like you got your health insurance from your company. It's not a choice that you're making and you're not likely to jump away from that prescription mm. provider to another one, right? So that is not an area where there's a lot of competition or they feel a lot of threat of losing a customer. But so I feel like maybe that's, maybe it's a prioritization in terms of like sort of business value, but that doesn't mean that those same companies in the software that they're producing that is more relevant, more germane or more vital and core to their business, those same companies still have this challenge, right? Well, I want to actually, I want to maybe disagree. So think about it this way. Um, even um, every business is, uh, you know, this is always uh, evolving and there's always disruption. There are newcomers coming and eating, eating away. Uh, so there's always new ways and more efficient ways, uh, better ways to serve your customers. And this could be prescription as well. So you see a, there's a lot of competition even in the uh, pharmacies. How do you keep the drug prices but at the same time, deliver uh, at the delivery, there's a lot of innovation there with how you connect with customers and help customers manage their prescriptions. And, uh, you know, I think this is uh, this is a hot area. So if you think about those companies, maybe established players uh, providing, uh, seeing the pressure to provide new uh ways to interact with their customers, they need to build those, those new applications and uh, have all the software to be able to, you know, uh, personalize medicine. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, innovation that's needed there. And so it actually forces it, these businesses, established players to also even brick and mortar players to be become a software business. And so then they also feel, they should feel the same pressure as uh, as 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 a you know rideshare company uh, providing an experience, you know if you look at the business itself, it's been there, there for a long time. But it, the the way you provide the service and uh, improving the customer experiences, that's where the pressure is. And now to be able to do that, to so now you're a software business business really, and and then to, you really have the same pressures to. Uh, to, to run your business more uh, efficiently, productive, and uh, have the high availability. So, so productivity, developer productivity, that has to be top of mind for, for any company. And right. really, you know, the way we think about the productivity, or if you think about internal teams, uh, platform engineering teams and developer platform teams, there, is, uh, there are some best practices uh, on how how they can think about uh, running uh, those platforms uh, efficiently and, and productive. So the same the same focus that we used to have for customer happiness has really shifted internally, and that developer is as important as our external customer was. I think I think it's true, right? That's pretty universally uh, understood today. I'm not I'm not actually quite sure when that shift happened. If I think back in history. It was a little bit gradual. There was that book, The New Kingmakers, that came out. I think it might have been like 2005-ish or something like that, quite a while ago. So um, maybe that sort of time period is when this kind of thinking kicked off, right? And the, and the internal developer became as important as the, as the customer. But I guess I wanted to ask you, uh, what, are, what are some examples of things that you did at Uber when that developer productivity became your main priority? Yeah. You know, um, so maybe if I uh, take a step back and think about think about it, what does the 
what does an internal developer uh, form team does? You know, one thing is, you know, there, there are three factors, really. One is we want to accelerate, and that's really uh, provide, uh, having the right velocity, go fast, time to market is important. Second uh, aspect is quality. Um, you know, we want to make sure you have provide the safety nets for your developers so they can, you can be more confident when you release software and, and move fast. And the third one is efficiency. So it always boils down to these three factors, velocity, quality, and efficiency. And efficiency is really about um, when you run a platform at scale, if you standardize, then you can uh, lower the cost, you can run things more uh, in a more efficient way. And that was that was more, uh, the, that's probably a, a good strategy for uh, a lot of internal developer uh, platform teams. And you really also you want to be able to measure what matters. You you want to be able to have the right metrics in front of you so you can uh, prioritize uh, effectively. So now you know maybe uh, a, a lot of a lot of the tools that we uh, we built was in, in these buckets. So when you think about velocity, those are all the tools that you provide to developers, the powerful frameworks. So that takes away all the busy work from developers' uh, lives. So that's why a, a framework like a Spring Framework uh, for Java developers uh, become really important. It, takes, it handles all that boilerplate code that you would write. So you, you want to make sure make it easy for developers to get started with a new project and uh, and make sure that it has all the logs, metrics, it's all connected to whatever the platform offers uh, and new developers can start easily. Uh, so the, the framework and, uh, and then uh, how we organize the repositories, the dependencies was, was an important part of uh, what we did there. Also, um, on the quality side, there were a whole bunch of test automation uh, tooling uh, around there. Um, and uh, to be able to standardize things, uh, at Uber, we used maybe a, a contradictory subject, but we used monorepos uh, on, as when we think about standardizing and having a centralized platform team doing all of these uh, for the thousands of developers that you have uh, and I can be more specific about some of the exciting uh, some uh, projects that that we've we've done there. When mentioning the Spring Framework and and boilerplate and and then also like, well, standardizing things. Like I'm I'm curious to hear. Like I feel like way back when I actually uh, worked at BMC Software, so I know OpenView. <laughs> but uh, a, a long time ago, when I was actually a developer, like. If someone other than if basically anyone said they were going to standardize the way I was doing my work, that made me feel very uncomfortable because then someone else was going to be in control of what I was doing. And so I'm always trying to filter in my head, like if you're, the, you know, a platform group, a tools group, how do you how do you find the level of standardization that works? <laughs> and and I mean, works in the broadest thing that like the developers actually follow it and it gains the benefits that you want by by standardizing. Yeah, I think maybe maybe hard like when somebody says you have to use these tools or um, you know kind of 
constraining the things that you, the, the, the tool set or uh, things that you could do. But if you can make it work, it becomes a magical thing. Um, and, and also, you should understand that it's not like forcing everyone to use, uh, use uh, the tools that, that you provide. Uh, you know, these internal teams uh, responsible and they're accountable for the, the, the tools and systems that they provide. And they also have SLAs that they need to provide. And mm. the fact that I, a, a, a person, a product manager even exists for that internal uh, platform team kind of suggests that, you know, you really take it seriously, understanding the pain points of your customers, your internal customers, if you're an internal product team, a platform team is uh, those developers. So, you know, uh, there are many ways that we get their feedback, uh, like the NPS surveys that you would run every six months or quarterly, uh, in addition to other micro feedback loops that, that you have and all the metrics that you get in you know how much time it takes for you to run a git status com command on your laptop or how much uh, the local build takes you measure these different levels like p75 p95 and you try to improve the processes and and the tooling and the speed every time and that's that's the way that uh, that that we we approached and uh, but also another point is you know, ha having standardization really helps. Otherwise, you know, the governance becomes an issue. You know, we, we, there's a good reason why we had a monorepo. Up the, those dependencies, when you have a complex world with 5,000 microservices and uh, thousands of, tens of thousands of repositories uh, with multiple projects, you know, that at that scale to be able to run uh, efficiently, uh, and still keep your business running smoothly, the, there wasn't much, many options the way, that's the way we saw it. So we had to have a monorepo uh, in that case, or we had to uh, provide central team automatically upgrading the dependencies all the time. Or, um, you know, also it's important that one developer, let's say, uh, who works on some area can easily move to another code and still uh, help out there if you have that 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 standardization. So all of these are are the benefits of having um, having a platform and having having a standardization. And I think once you start working in that environment, you know there wasn't much of a question. Of course, there were sometimes uh, when when there's a new project, you know there are questions. Okay, is this uh, you know, should I use these tools that are provided to me or should I go pick something else? That, that's a valid question. Uh, but, you know, we, we really didn't. Uh, once, the, uh, once you get to a level that everything runs smoothly, there wasn't much question about the, the tools that, that were provided. Yeah, I, I think, you know, what, well, you you would know better than I with with all your roles, but it's it's sort of like I think the difference is you product manage the tools, and part of product managing is like your customer should be happy, <laughs> right? Like like if they don't actually Absolutely. like the product, then it, you haven't really done that great of a job doing it. Whereas 
you know, there is there is another way of, uh, especially back in in uh, in in probably your open view and my BMC days, there was a way of providing AT, IT services and capabilities that was a lot more about the delivery of that thing met some sort of like budgetary and performance needs, regardless of the happiness of people using it. <laughs> and so like, if you, if you add in this, as you were saying, whether it's NPS or, or actually making sure that the day-to-day -day use of the users, like it's productive for them, then you're more motivated to obviously standardize stuff for the, um, the benefits that the organization, the corporation gets right for cost controls and being able to scale. But then you also have to make sure that standardize what, what you're giving, the tools you're giving developers, they like, <laughs> like that's, that's part of what you're supposed to be delivering, which I think is, absolutely. I don't know. I, I still feel like that, that role is a little novel sometimes when it comes to like really, really big organizations and, and thinking about may, of course, everyone has good intentions, but thinking about how you do that and how you introduce like that into, into the process is, is always the trick of making sure you pay attention to it. Yeah, thanks, Cote. I mean, I think uh, once you focus on the pain points uh, of developers and uh, you have you're completely you're obsessed about providing them and making sure they're um, you fix all the broken windows and uh, take every feedback and act on them. Of course, you need to prioritize. It's not like these teams have tons of things that they, they do. Uh, but, uh, you know, putting on the top developer pain points, uh, uh, once you do that and you use that as a guidance as you uh, come up with your plans for the, for the team, um, and it, it becomes uh, magical. And we had data to prove that as well. So year over year, you're, if you're measuring uh, in a consistent way the developer productivity with the NPS score, which is that the main question there is how would you recommend this developer platform to uh, your fellow uh, engineers or your right. uh, friends? And that, that question, you get that answer uh, and you can see the, the improvements that you make in, in developers' uh, lives. Uh, and then also the... You can also see a correlation between that and the overall productivity metrics that 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 you measure and as well. So it's not just okay, warm and fuzzy feelings. It's uh, also uh, very much data driven. Mm -hmm. I, I, one of the things that you said earlier um, when you talked about, um, I mean, first first of all, I just want to say like that the classification of an internal developer platform in these four categories: performance, quality, efficiency, metrics. I think that's uh, it's, it's so clear and it's so clean. I think that's a really good framework. Um, and then you mentioned in the, uh, amongst the examples that you mentioned of things that you did at Uber, you talked about sort of standardizing on, on spring. Um, and I guess, so then, you know, sort of like looking at your career transition from Uber over to now Tanzu specifically has a, a, a very, very big focus on, on spring and, 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 and uh, it has had this intention for a while and a continued intention to make Tanzu you know, sort of the best platform to run Spring on, right? Um, so I guess, yeah. So what, I guess, was that part of your interest in, in coming over to Broadcom and how do you see that, uh, I guess, how do you see making making that impact? 
here. Yeah, um, I mean, thanks. Uh, thanks for bringing this up. I uh, uh, so what we did at, at, at Uber and you know learnings from uh, running the product management for developer platform. Um, it's very much applicable to all our customers uh, because the the challenges that. Uh, uh, any large-scale software business is facing, they're all same challenges. How do I keep my uh, builds fast? How do I uh, manage my dependencies? How do I make sure that uh, I don't create new incidents as I uh, try to move fast and deploy more frequently? Um, how do I run my platform in a more efficient way. These are all uh, challenges that are applicable to any any business, and <laughs> assuming that every business is a software business. Um, so, you know, I think uh, we are, you know, with with Spring, uh, our goal is to uh, help out. Now, now we are in a in a in a position to uh, apply some of these uh, best practices, help our customers. Uh, run their uh, platform engineering teams uh, in a more efficient way. And, and, and what we do with uh, the Spring, we are really excited about the capabilities that uh, we would like to bring for the Spring developers. So the uh, you know, majority of the enterprise Java apps uh, are, are, are Spring apps. And now, uh, and we, we, we also have a lot of data about what, what are the biggest uh, pain points of, of, of these, uh, uh, these, these developers. And one of the areas that I would like to highlight is, you know, upgrades and, uh, you know, the uh, older versions of uh, Spring libraries and the dependencies still existing in the code base and the security, potential security vulnerabilities that they might have. So uh, even though we are doing a great job upgrading, providing new updates with, with Spring. You know, we, what we are hearing from our customers are they're, they're still running the older version, versions of these, these libraries. And one of the areas that we are excited about is to help them uh, keep their applications uh, up to date so that they can gain the performance benefits and they can run their applications more securely in a compliant way. So, uh, you know, what, what makes me excited is, you know, we are uh, working on some uh, cool features to help our customers maintain their code base, basically keep them continuously upgrade, help them continuously upgrade their, their applications. And that's, that's an area that uh, I think we hinted at uh, uh, before that, that we are uh, actively working on. And I'm really excited about uh, solving this, uh, this this dependency upgrade challenge for for our customers. Of course, this is just one of many. You know, performance is 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 another area. Improving the performance of running uh, <laughs> stateless services with Java Spring, um, and uh, there there are, there are several several others that we can we can chat more about in the in the upcoming talks. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear, because I, I was looking um, at a slide deck that you presented at a conference, um, I 
don't know exactly how long ago it was, but you, I know you've also done work on generative AI in the software uh, supply chain. So I guess is that does that fit into your vision at VMware as well, at uh, Broadcom as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, generative AI, because of the, uh, uh, the capabilities of large language models work really well for natural languages as well as programming languages. And, uh, you know, originally we all, we, we were all uh, trying to understand what are the risks of, um, you know, using generative AI in, in, in our business. And then, you know, developer productivity, since it's internal, it's not really uh, impacting uh, customer facing uh, functions. So it's a great area where uh, you can apply generative AI because uh, again, you know, you can still experiment and see the, uh, see the impact. And, uh, and, and there is a consensus in the industry that by a start by, by leveraging the, the generative AI technologies, like whether it's co-pilot, like in during your inner loop, uh, writing code, editing code, uh, or automatically generating test cases or doing large scale code refactorings. Like in, in our example, this is one, one thing that we want to, we want to be able to do. We want to help our customers, uh, keep their, Spring applications up to date, and generative AI becomes a, a critical uh, tool to do that in a more efficient way, in a more productive way, um, and it becomes the next step after these rule-based approaches, it, it, uh, updating, updating, updating all that code and refactoring them. So Amazing. I'm really very much excited, but I mean. I mean, we can talk a lot more about how, where, where else you can apply uh, generative AI in your software development lifecycle. That's that's a, that's a topic on in itself. Um, yeah, I saw. Yeah, the. I, I mean, I guess I, I'm I'm most interested in the ones that maybe you think that as Broadcom we actually have a possibility of bringing to our customers. So I mean, I hear you talking about dependency upgrades. I mean, the dependency upgrades definitely for our customers. You've mentioned using Gen AI, of course, in coding and generating test cases and refactoring. I don't know. Uh, maybe the dependency upgrades is the, is the one that we mo that most fits in with our tool suite. But yeah, like I, I guess that would be my my biggest curiosity would be like where where can we as a company use this to help our own customers? Absolutely, yeah. So Tanzu Spring Runtime is uh, is our commercial product uh, for our enterprise uh, customers and. It gives you a, a long-term uh, support for your spring uh, uh, spring applications, so you can you have a little bit you have more time to upgrade, and it also has a lot of commercial differentiated features uh, with uh, Spring Dataflow and uh, Spring Cloud Gateway, um, as well as it includes uh, JDK and, and support for things like uh, Tomcat. So the, um, uh, but our vision is uh, to add more capabilities into uh, Tanzu Spring uh, runtime to help our customers keep their uh, Spring applications updated all the time. And, you know, our first, uh, 
uh, initial approach is to uh, use a, a rule-based approach to help them upgrade, but then eventually generative AI uh, would, uh, would be uh, the way to complement and even uh, take it to the next level. Uh, if, you, if you think about that. So that's exciting. Um, I, mean, I mean, I'm really excited to hear this, uh, that Tanzu Spring Runtime has uh, has a bright future with these really exciting uh, features. And I know there was one other, I know that we uh, that was just released this week that we've been trying to, uh, to uh, highlight, which is the Spring Health Assessment uh, tool that produces a health assessment report for your application. So, and I know that's been under your purview as well. So I guess what's, uh, are you, how excited are you about that? How's that going for you? What do you see there? What should customers Absolutely. know? Thanks for, oh, thanks free, for right? bringing this up. We're really excited about uh, uh, Spring Health Assessment. This is a free service that we offer to our customers. Uh, I think you should all go try, uh, search for uh, Tanzu Spring Health Assessment. It really takes uh, uh, less than a minute to, to run it. Basically, what it does is uh, you... Uh, you run your Maven uh, dependencies, you generate the dependency tree. We are only interested in those spring libraries and uh, you uh, file with that, you upload that file and you uh, end up with a, a report that shows you your current support status with all your spring libraries. And also it highlights the security vulnerabilities in them. So kind of gives you a guide guidance uh, on uh, uh, on your next steps, basically help you bring awareness around the support status, the uh, security vulnerabilities, and the upgrade effort uh, involved with uh, to keep your uh, application updated. And, how do you uh, have that upgrade effort? Yeah. When you, yeah, I've seen the reports coming out of uh, Spring Cloud Health Assessment, and as you say, they mention support vulnerabilities and and very interestingly, yeah, pers- like. They measure the effort it's going to take for you to improve the security posture, I guess, and the supportability of your app. How do you measure that? It's really, um, uh, at this point, it's really uh, like a t-shirt size uh, approach, low, medium, high. You know, we uh, measuring it uh, in, in a more accurate way, maybe misleading or it could uh, result in inaccuracies. Uh, our high level approach is to look at the difference from between where you are today and uh, and uh, what, what the latest version is. And of course, uh, major versions and how many uh, uh, releases in between. So that's, that's, a, that's really a, a high level estimate at, at this point. And if I sort of put together a few of the things that you've said, uh, it's I, I would make the assumption, and you can tell me if it's a good or, assumption or not, but that from a commercial point of view with Tanzu Spring Runtime, something like the output of this uh, health assessment would be used with Gen AI to then help automate uh, the incorporation of these of, of what you find into your code uh, in a more automated way. Gen yeah, so AI. our vision with uh-huh. <laughs> Our vision for Tanzu Spring Runtime is to do this at scale uh, for multiple projects. So for all all your Spring applications, you want to be able to we want to be able to show you bring real time visibility into uh, your support status and uh, and security vulnerabilities associated in those apps, and then also take 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 it to the next step and automatically 
upgrade those applications in an ongoing basis. Um, you know, that, that upgrade approach, uh, uh, our initial approach will be a rule-based approach, but that's where we are uh, looking at leveraging uh, large language models to help uh, making those refactor- refactorings uh, uh, more, more efficient and uh, automatic. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so so Spring Health Assessment Report for a free tool that can help you understand the, the support status and the vulnerabilities in your application. And for larger organizations that want to do this at scale uh, with support and, and kind of stay up to date and have access to additional features that, that Broadcom would be developing with large language models and things like that, then definitely uh, Challenge of Spring Runtime would be more appropriate for that. It's a summary, I guess. <laughs> and, and and just I mean just one last question uh, like um, do you in in your experience does like upgrading things fit into what the platform tools group is responsible for like where does that like fall because I don't know it's yeah. it's not immediately clear to me at least absolutely um, you know I think uh, within our developer uh, in the developer platform team. For each language, there would be a, a separate monorepo and framework team. Those teams maintain uh, the, the monorepos. And, and, and I'm just talking about not everybody uses monorepo. I, I do understand that. Uh, when you don't have a monorepo, the, the handling dependencies and all, the, all those upgrades become even much, much harder. Uh, but even uh, when you have an... Um, efficient structure like that every, where everything is standardized uh, I would argue, I would suggest that you know, it, it would take a team of two three engineers uh, a couple of months to upgrade from one version to another and you think about all those yeah. all the you know places where you, where you need to make code sure. change I, um, I would say that yes, this, yeah. uh-huh. it's one of the that I think that I get the most when, uh, if I'm ever showing our Tanzu application product, uh, Tanzu application platform to people and they see the supply chain that takes your code, you know, builds it, tests it, scans it, whatever. Uh, one, of the, one of the most common questions is like, if the scan produces vulnerabilities, obviously the supply chain will stop, but then like, then what, you know, like, <laughs> who who takes action and how and you know all I can say is well if it's if it if it's because if the vulnerability comes from the OS or the runtime then the platform team who's supplying those components would take care of it and if it's coming from your palm file or your Gradle file or or whatever your NP what your you know your application dependencies and that has to go back to the developer because they're the one who has to update the the dependencies but this is really taking that and saying like the platform itself can simply. Uh, automate right. that and just make, you know, maybe make a pull request and that gets tested and confirmed and it's completely just a seamless part of the, in the same way we do that actually with um, with container builds, right? Like if, if um, the OS is upgraded, then the container is regenerated by the platform and mm-hmm. hands off. And so we're basically saying we can take that to the code level um, and automate that whole process. Yeah, I mean, that's our goal. Basically, uh... When you think about uh, upgrading, so our vision is we would like to not just create tickets, uh, you know, in in the old days, or uh, it may still be uh, the norm for many organizations. When you have a central uh, form engineering team, a lot of times we generate tickets and uh, automatically generate tickets by running some 
program, let's say, at large scale. That's how you would deal with security vulnerabilities. And at the end of the day, you expect those individual product teams, owners of those microservices to go and fix those uh, uh, issues. And But of course, and then you also have these teams of uh, technical program managers chasing down these these teams. Teams have their own priorities, product pressures, right? They, they, they're at the end of the day, there's multiple priorities that they're chasing down. So the, the goal here is, you know, let's take it to the next level. Let's create a, a, a PR or a merge request where everything is validated and uh, and 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 verified. So and it just the, then it, it's just a matter of reviewing those changes and 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 approving them. So we're trying to minimize the work that uh, the these product teams would would need to do, and that's our. Uh, approach uh, that that we are taking with Tanzu Spring Runtime in in the upcoming versions uh, when we introduce this feature. I just like I have like I mean you know probably smarter minds than me have already thought of this, but you just made me think of a future where you know you also mentioned code uh, like co code refactoring or code reviews uh, that are now manual and require you know eyes on code. If a if a code review could be automated via LLM and recommendations about code quality could be automated. And then those could be sort of, you know, and a person could review them to see if they agree or not, but at least we could use even LLM for, for code quality improvements. Really oh, no absolutely. I mean, these are the areas where uh, people are experimenting, applying uh, uh, generative AI. Uh, you know, we, uh, I worked on a project where uh, we, took the uh, comments from uh, code reviewers. And based on that, we automatically created a, the next revision uh, that basically it's really not, not fully automating things, uh, the, uh, not, uh, but it's, it's an incremental uh, step towards there as we gain more confidence with generative AI and, 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 and such tools. So basically, okay, Engineers made a comment, but then rather than the author making that change, you know, the, the bot automatically takes that comment and uh, creates a new revision, understanding understanding the code and, and, and the changes as well as the, the, the comment, and then creating that next next revision based on that understanding. And these are uh, these are things that uh, others are, are also playing with or, or, or doing. So I'm really excited about the feature uh, of future of uh, software development. You know, it's really mm -hmm. exciting times uh, where, you know, developers will be more focused on uh, business, more business critical application logic and, and have these, some of these simpler uh, tedious tasks by, uh, by automated tools powered by generative AI. Yeah, amazing. I think I, I think you've set this uh, really uh, optimistic and and um, exciting view of all of the opportunities to um, really leverage, like make the most of of a platform like like Spring and really like really milk it and advance it and and because generally I feel like we wait for Spring to give to us right the Spring team produces great things and then we use them but here are all these ways that we can contribute to make Spring better. Um, from a, from a different angle, I think that's a really it's a wonderful thing to see that ecosystem growing in this direction. Thank you, yeah. Cora. 
uh, and Kote, I, I just want to say one thing. The, um, you know, since we talked a lot about generative AI and building generative AI applications, if you haven't given a shot uh, to uh, Spring AI, uh, you should uh, play with it. You should try uh, this, this project. Our goal there is to help enterprise Java developers uh, add generative AI capabilities to their, their applications. And it's great. And we are uh, getting a lot of feedback from users and uh, iterating quickly on those. So please uh, give it a try. Uh, take a look at Spring AI. Uh, it makes it easier for you to interact with LLMs. And uh, Spring Data is already great and getting all the data sources. So And we also have embedding models and uh, you know, whatever vector DB that you, you, you may want to use. So it's a great solution, a glue, so to speak, uh, that would uh, accelerate your adoption of generative AI in the enterprise Java application space. So please give it a shot. Amazing. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that right after we hang up. Hey, well, thanks for being on. It was really fun talking with you. Uh, that, that was enjoyable. Do you, do you have, uh, you know, if people are interested in, uh, well, you know, Cora mentioned a presentation you gave and other things like that. But do you have some little home on the World Wide Web that you would send people to to uh, check things out? Um, I personally do not, but I would prefer um, if uh, you know uh, if you're. You, I'm sure you're all familiar with uh, Spring IO website uh, as well as our uh, Tanzu uh, Spring page that we we are keeping uh, up to date all the time. So uh, follow us there. And we also have your team is a great team, <laughs> which uh, provide a lot of uh, uh, help and uh, guidance to Spring developers, uh, Deshaun and Josh, and, 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 and you guys are, are, are awesome. And thanks for uh, doing this and keeping uh, the community alive. Awesome. Well, that's good. That's always good to have a uh, recommendation for our own team as well. So I appreciate it. Well, good. Well, as, as, uh, as, uh, as always, my daughter would like to remind you that this has been Tanzu Talk. Uh, if you want to get the show notes for this, you can go to TanzuTalk.com. And, uh, you know, I got to wrap it up because I need to blow up this surgical glove for my daughter's entertainment. And we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.